Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And my name is Father Peter Musset. It is Father Peter Musset. We are on spring break this week. Well, it's technically well, spring break. Because when you're a father... CU is on spring break. Yeah, there we go. Let's put it that way. Because when you're a father, there's lots of children to take care of still. <laughs> That's true for you, for you and me both, dude. That's the truth. I, I've, um, I, uh, I have a funeral that I'm gonna do tomorrow. Um, I'm like, I've been trying to avoid having to like do stuff. I, I worked on my motorcycle a little bit just because from nice. here on out, man, it is a sprint until the end. Yeah, and hopefully the weather's gonna be nice for the sprint. Oh, so dude, we can motorcycle in it. Dude, that's the truth. Uh, there's the, there are these really weird, um, I, uh, YouTube videos where somebody took like the, the public service announcements at the end of uh, G.I. Joe cartoons and <laughs> yeah. like overdubbed them with like the most bizarre, just weird stuff. And there's this one where this this guy drives up on his motorcycle and he's like, he's like, and he's like speaking gibberish and these kids are like looking at him. And then, then he just is like, I just want to ride my motorcycle. <laughs> and the kids are just like looking at him and like it's the most absurd thing but um father brady whenever i say motorcycle he automatically goes into i just want to ride my motorcycle <laughs> from that yeah from this really bizarre youtube video i can see that so um, well there you go there there you go now where where are you at where uh, i'm in san diego california well, actually, I'm in La Jolla. La Jolla. La Jolla. I like so for that. all you La Jolla people, I am in your backyard. Dude, that's... Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So you are in the backyards of all the people in La Jolla. Uh, so to speak. Yeah, That's a creepy way to put it. But yeah. Dude. Yeah, we're here with the family, getting a little getting a little uh, vacation. The R&R. Yeah, somebody, I was telling Father Peter, somebody, when we were heading on the vacation, we were, somebody was like, oh man, are you guys so excited just go to get away and just relax and just do nothing and it's going to be so relaxing and we're like, you don't understand what it means to have kids. We're just taking the madness somewhere else in the country. That's all, that's all we're ultimately doing. It's great. It's a beautiful place to be and to bring our madness, but we're just moving it. That's what vacation is when you're a parent and yeah. that's fine. Dude, hey, because no matter where you go, there, there you are. There you are. Yep, Samuel tried to drown his sister in the pool yesterday, and that's, you know, you deal with it. No, no, that, that was only, that's only slightly dramatic. Well, he just, he like, you know, pushed her head down. Oh. It's pool, it's just pool shenanigans. Oh, those shenanigans. Shenanies. <laughs> it's surprisingly cold in Southern California, though. Oh, no. Is it, What's your temperature, man? It's probably like... High fifties, okay. Maybe low sixties. Okay. So it's probably what it is there. Yeah, dude, it's the same here. Yeah, you can ride a motorcycle in it. We have an ocean. Oh, so. you can ride we, your ski doo in it. I can ride my ski doo. We might uh, we might rent a surfboard and fool around with it on Friday. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. In the in the f- three feet of water. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So guys, we have to admit something to you. I, I'm going to make our confession. Should I make it? Yeah, dude, just confess. Just, just because I don't know how this is going to go. So we recorded one of the best podcasts ever. 
last week for this week we did and then for the first time in a year and a half of editing these podcasts and doing quite well if i do say so myself amazingly i totally lost the podcast dude where did it where did it go it's off in the ether man it's it's nowhere i've read more apple message boards than i ever thought (laughs) existed (laughs) trying to find somebody who would tell me that it's not actually fallen out of existence which it has yeah well so we're redoing this podcast which, which means... is which is a total um we're playing craps now i mean like it could be it could be <laughs> yeah. awesome it could be actually a, even more exultant because we're going to make deeper connections because we've been meditating on it for a week absolutely or it could just be worse because we have no um yeah, energy it could be it could be all of those things put together. So you guys are with us for the ride. Welcome to the next level of what happens when ones and zeros dissipate into the matrix. <laughs> That's it. But at least we're caught up and we're actually at in liturgical year where you are. So we're looking at the uh, what is it? The fourth it's the fourth Sunday of Lent. Uh, which is also what is it? Laetare Gaudete. No, I don't think it is. I think that's is that the is fifth that Sunday? It's or? it's in two weeks, right? Uh, dude, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I'm dude. looking at it. Oh no, that's Palm Sunday. I have no idea. I think is, I, th- I think you're it's the priest, I think man. It's, you should know. I think it's Pink Sunday, man. Is it Pink Sunday? Yeah. Shouldn't it be pink on the liturgical calendar then? It should. That's why we were looking at the USCCB website. That's what we get our readings from. Just in case you guys are ever wanting to follow along, just go usccb.org. And uh, and then just click the uh, the uh, Bible and it'll have the readings and just get to the right day. And so as you're looking at it, you can look at it, the exact same thing that we're looking at. Of course, it is slightly different ones and zeros because it's loaded under your computer, not our computer. But it is served sure. from the same server in a way that is facilitating its exact replication. On we usually have our Bibles out too to criticize the things that we don't like in yeah. the translations. So yeah, and I use the RSV. So does Scott. So do I, or the Greek because I want to show how. Smart I am. To show how Greeky you are? Oh, Greeky, yes. Oh. It's all Greeky to me. Okay, so our, right. our first reading today is from First Samuel chapter yep. 16. Verse 1. It's 1B. You got to be exact. <laughs> this is the most piecemeal reading I think we've seen in a long time. Yeah, 1B, 6, 7, 10 to 13A. Yeah, so take that. Take that. Then our second reading is, as usual, the psalm. We're at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I shall want. One of the most well-known psalms in existence. Yep, and and so the shepherd has uh, verses 1 through 3a, 3b, 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Then, and then we're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. And then the gospel, a very long gospel. Um, don't You can't fake the funk with this one. This is John 9, 1 through 41. That is, which is, I think, two verses longer than last week's. They're getting progressively longer as we get toward Palm Sunday. Dude, that's just that's because guess what? We just like it more, and so we read more when we're read more, man, or listen to the readings more. Yeah, both, all of it. So, welcome to the podcast, First Samuel. You go. You know what? Um, I've always wondered what kind of horn do you think that they used that they filled this horn with? Like, and what kind of oil? It was. It must have been olive oil. I think olive oil. Not peanut oil, because there's a lot of people who have peanut allergies. That's true. You wouldn't want that. No. 
So fill up your olive oil horn. It's one of those horns that you take to like football games. So. <laughs> and he had his big foam finger on. <laughs> Samuel. 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 This this is a this is a very old school, new school combination here. So so <laughs> tell tell me a little I gotta know about Samuel. What's going on with Samuel? Oh, Samuel is the best, man. He's my son is named after him. Okay. Samuel is one of the is one of the only truly good and holy and righteous figures in the Old Testament. And he's really good. So he's this guy who... So you remember the story of Hannah? It's actually ironic. My wife is named after Hannah. She's named Anne, Annie. Uh-huh. But she's named after Hannah of the Old Testament. And then Hannah, of course, has this son named Samuel. And Samuel means the Lord heard. So she prays desperately for this son. She's this holy woman. She keeps going to the temple. She's constantly praying. She's on pilgrimage. She has this 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 poop head of a husband um, who is just a jerk and she, he has another wife and she's a jerk to her. So Hannah has this pretty tough lot in life. Her spiritual director always thinks she's drunk. It's this whole, (laughs) you can go back and read the story, but it's this terrible lot that she's in, but she prays desperately. She finally gets the son. She says to God, if you give me a son, I will actually give him back to you. And so she has this son that she wakes, you know, so much of her life for, and she gives him, Back to the temple. She gives him to her bad spiritual director to raise him in the temple, sort of with the priests. And he really quickly, like, totally jumps over them in holiness and is teaching them and is pointing out their shortfalls oh, and, yeah, and all this yeah. stuff. He's he's this holy guy. And he becomes the one that God chooses to basically um, appoint the kings. Now, Samuel, by the time we meet him here, is in, a, in kind of a bad situation because he has appointed this guy named Saul, who the people kind of demanded. They're like, this is who we want as king. He says, I don't think it's a good idea. They say we want him anyway. Saul turns out to be a terrible, terrible king. I think we talked about this last week. Psychologists have actually studied Saul because the, the story of Saul is, is like the epitome of um, just psychological craziness. He descends into this this um, schizophrenia and he thinks everybody's out to get him, and this deep depression. He just he just goes crazy. So he's pretty bad. So Samuel, by this point, is kind of depressed. He's like, "Well, I chose the wrong guy. This guy's terrible. What am I gonna do?" And God's like, "Okay, just get off your bottom. Go. And you're gonna choose the new king." We have, and he's uh, which we don't get in this reading, but it, it, he's we don't. Samuel says, "How can I go if Saul hears about this? He's going to kill me." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is true. Yeah. So it's just one of these things to to remember that Saul is doing this under duress. This is not just like, hey, happy times. No, it's not happy times. And and the kingdom is being ruled by a terrible king too. So everybody's having pretty unhappy times. So yeah, the Lord said to Samuel, fill your fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I've chosen my king from among his sons. Now who else do we know that's going to come from Bethlehem later on? Um, Jesus. Jesus, who's the son of whom? Uh, God? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's his earthly dad? Oh, who's Joseph. Dad? Joseph. And who's Joseph's dad? David. Jesse. Jesse of Bethlehem. Oh, yeah. So there's this whole reverberation of what's going to happen. Do you remember what the, what the word I was Bethlehem just, I, I was just going like way back, dude. This is the thing. is you, 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 you were like expecting me to just be like, oh, yeah, just Jesse. No, nah, man. I'm going all the way back to his dad because it's the line of You're David, right. sucker. No, that was the way you were. You were right. You're right. I'm wrong. Uh-huh. And, and some I'm not very lo- good looking. Okay, now that we have that straight, we can move on. Okay, let's do it. Um, um Bethlehem, you asked me what it means. It means yeah. it doesn't mean bread town? Yeah, house house of bread. Bet means house and lachem 
means of bread. It's conjugated to of bread. So yeah, the house of bread. Why? And and that's it's just really cool because that that name is gonna John John's gospel in particular, where we get our gospel today. Uh-huh. He really punches that theme about the, the the Jesus being the bread of life and the bread from heaven and the bread 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 bread, really emphasizing that he's from the house of bread. So there's this beautiful imagery. But here is where we get kind of the precursor for all of it. So this great king is gonna come from the house of bread, which is gonna ultimately point to the ultimate king of kings who's going to be bread from heaven coming from the house of bread. So it's this, it really, the the imagery I think is really beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so there you go. So Jesse, okay, so I'm going to send you to this guy. So he goes to Jesse, and you guys might know the story. He goes to Jesse, and he says, all right, bring out your sons. I'm going to choose the king from among them. And he's looking at all these sons, and he thinks to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. And when the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge from his appearance or his lofty stature. So he looks at this one son. There's this one son. What's his name? Do you remember? Is it here? Eliab. Eliab, yeah. He looks at this one son of Jesse and he's like, well, obviously this guy's the king. And I think this is actually what's not in our reading from Mass. Do you remember why um, Samuel looks at this guy and thinks that he's the next king? Um, I would imagine, uh, I mean... We have done this podcast before, so I actually know the answer <laughs> right. to all of your questions. <laughs> I know. I know you do. Well, I'm hoping you do. This is your quiz. I know. It's because he looked stately, man. He probably had a fell face. He probably had muscles. He was tall. He he looked like a statesman. But who does he look like in particular? Saul. He looks like Saul. And so he's like, well, this guy looks like kingly, and that's why we chose Saul. So he's kind of falling into this trap, and that's where you begin to get this. God says this line that's going to be a theme, certainly of this book, but really really of all of Scripture. But he, he says, um, God says, okay, don't judge from his appearance or his lofty stature, because I've rejected this guy. This isn't the one. Because not as man sees does God see. Man looks at the appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So don't don't judge by appearances. Don't look at the outward appearance. There's more than meets the eye. He says, you're just judging from the appearance. And that's going to be a theme of the book. It's really a theme of, of it's kind of a, a, a reading tool for the book. This is one of the problems people have with the Bible. You, you, we tend to want to read just what's on the surface, and we read the words, uh-huh. rather than kind of trying to go deeper and figure out what does this mean? What's underneath the surface? What's God teaching us? Dude, that's exactly so, the hermeneutic key to understanding the title of this podcast. The word on the hill. What? <laughs> the lanky guys. Oh, see, the lanky guys. See, you you think that we're just like lanky. You can just like dismiss us. That like, dude, we don't have substance to us. See what I'm saying? Oh, I never even thought of. Now I'm depressed about our name. <laughs> I oh. don't know. I just came up with that right now. I actually I don't know. like it. I don't know if it's. Exactly I like it. And true. I'm depressed all at once. Yeah. Hey, man. You should, dude. Own own yourself, dude. Own yourself. I'm a melancholic. That's how I live every day of my life. Oh, okay. Yeah. And That's I, how we roll. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a sanguine, so I just kind of say whatever's on my mind and then just move on. So. <laughs> and then I move on. And I have to reap, I have to pick up the pieces. All right. So here's things are going to get weird. You ready for this? Talk to me. Okay. So um, Jesse presents all of his sons before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, okay, the Lord hasn't chosen any. It's kind of, I love this story because it's kind of like Cinderella. He's like, all right, is there another sister here right the remember cinderella the prince comes and wants to fit the shoe yeah yeah. he's like all right isn't there another one that's basically what's happening here he's like okay god told me it's one of your sons surely there's another son here and jesse's like oh well yeah well there's that other one there's that david but you know he's little he's young he's tending the sheep and so samuel's like well bring the stinking kid here i said i'm gonna pick pick the king 
And so uh, sent for which, him will not have the sacrificial banquet till he arrives. Which which so means Jesse, that's, that that that, um, that Samuel is actually getting a, getting a new vision because basically he he was yeah. relying upon his own vision, but there's something actually that's happening inside of him that's changing. Yeah, totally. Well, despite despite his desires. To, yeah, to to be well, he kind of wants this done because he's afraid that the longer he lingers, the more oh, danger he has of getting killed by Saul because he's going to find out. I mean, he made yeah. an excuse. He brought a heifer. He's like, "We're going to do a sacrifice. We're going to have a religious ceremony, but secretly, I'm calling a new king." Ha ha ha! Right? Yeah, you're right. Wow, you're right. Good point. Yeah, that one wasn't in the last podcast when we did it. No, it's brand new. Brand now, new. Here's where things here's where things get weird. Okay. So send for him. Um, so Jesse sent, and he had the young man brought. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. And the Lord said, there there he is. He's the one. Anoint him. Now, what's weird about that line? Um, well, it's, I mean, we just get, he just got chastised for judging on, on appearance, but here's this guy who has a great appearance. Right, he appears to. And so you you should be reading this and be like, well, wait a second. I thought the Lord just told us not to judge for appearances. And this says, well, he's this handsome, ruddy, youthful, splendid appearance guy. Which I totally forgot where you were going with this. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to learn about this again. Everything's new to a sanguine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me really happy. <laughs> Oh man. Um, well, yeah. This is the thing. So the, the this is where translations sort of trip us up a little bit because the Hebrew is a bit distinct. It doesn't say so. It does say he's handsome, but when it says he's splendid in appearance, what it actually the more the better translation would be he was beautiful, which is in the sense that that's not necessarily what a strong warrior man would like to be called. It says literally he has gentle features. He's described the exact same way as Leah was back in the book of Genesis. Remember, Leah was the girl that Jacob really wanted to marry, and he was got that other woman instead. But literally, he has gentle features. He's beautiful. He's sort of feminine looking. That's actually what it says. So oh. you realize this guy, he's, he doesn't look like the mighty strong warrior. He looks kind of like a pretty boy. Oh, he, oh, he's... So it's a little more subtle than that. He looks like it, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> right he's got a big head wave of hair on his head or or, or one direction or something you know <laughs> he looks like liam from one direction all right okay we just had technical so, difficulties but we're back a little bit we're good though yep so um this is the moment so so despite what david looks like even though it's it's different than what it, it sort of seems to imply from our translation um, that's what the Lord says. He says, this is the guy. That's the one. So Samuel anoints him right there in the presence of his brothers. Whenever you see something like that happen in the presence of brothers, that's always kind of a red flag in the Bible. Remember that happened with Joseph, too? Ooh, and, and it did not the, go well with him afterwards. It didn't go well. So he's the youngest one. He's anointed in the presence of his brothers. You know, you're like, oh, you should be thinking if you know the Bible, uh-oh, that's not good. But then it says, from that day, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. In the next couple of verses, you're going to see the spirit of the Lord depart from Saul. And that's basically when he's going to begin his real downward spiral into, into madness. Because the spirit of the Lord de- departs from him. This is, by the way, the, the spirit of the Lord, this is not... Sometimes we, we make the mistake of thinking the Holy Spirit doesn't really show up till the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is, is very much there and active in the Old Testament. But not in the way... 
that we have it in kind of the permanent sacramental way. The Spirit, you know, can rest upon someone for a particular reason, for a particular mission, for a particular period of time, but not the internal dwelling, you know, that we get in baptism sort of a deal. So he does have the Spirit, but in a, in a very specific way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. This is the, I think about at, at Pentecost when the singular flame divided and then went and distributed itself, whereas in a certain sense, there's 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 this little bit of a singularity in and in, in kind of a manner to yeah. to how the, the how the how the anointing is is actually taking place. Yeah, totally. I think that's a good way to put it. So, what do you think if you're if we're remembering our discussion from last week? Mm-hmm. What is what is the main theme of this passage? What is this passage underneath the surface? Not just looking at the surface, but underneath. What is it trying to teach us? Um, well, I think that you just said it. If it looking oh, past shoot. the surface, to, yeah, to, yeah, to, like, oh, actually, yeah. what the, the heart is. Uh, <laughs> that was that was appropriate just in the manner in which you asked the question. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying the, to do my best. You're doing. You're. The, I mean, trying to make you look good, man. Well, um, if people judge by appearances, then um, then I'm going to be doing great. But but if <laughs> yeah. they, but if they look into the heart, that's what really matters here. Oh uh, shoot! Actually, I'm really glad that we're doing this over Skype because if you were to, I, I just feel like I'm odiferous right now. I uh, I uh, from my motorcycle right. I think I smell like motorcycle. I'm odiferous. I wouldn't look at your outward smell. Hey, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You would you smell would you outward smell smell past that okay on to the responsorial psalm so so but the thing that happened to samuel is that he moved from blindness to seeing in a certain sense Uh, he was seeing the wrong thing he was kind of in the dark and then the lord showed him it's not what your eyes are telling you that he he learns to see in kind of a new way i'm probably giving away the punchline you totally are and that's but but that's exactly what we're doing today because um giving away the punchline yeah man hey welcome to we're we're not going to keep anything a mystery for you we're just gonna we're we're just gonna open open it right up we're just gonna help you to see right from the beginning not unlike samuel yeah man so psalm psalm 23 again psalm 23 is probably the most well-known psalm of all the psalms the lord is my shepherd there's nothing i shall want it was also believed there's, there's good reason to believe it was the most well-known psalm for the early Christians, too. You discover that written all over the catacombs and ancient um, churches and synagogues and all sorts of stuff. So it was, it was a well-known passage. Why does the church choose to talk about the Lord being our shepherd? Because, I mean, isn't it, how cool is it that you have... You have these, I mean, just imagine you're, you're in ancient Israel yeah. and you have all these imagery, you know, you're the greatest King that you have was a shepherd boy. You have all this imagery in the Psalms about the Lord being a shepherd and you're like, Oh, I get it. It's kind of, he's kind of like the King or the King is kind of like that because if God is like a shepherd and our King is kind of a shepherdly and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden God, who is a shepherd becomes the King in this way that God has sort of been preparing his people for for centuries. Oh, we've always talked about our king as a shepherd, and we've always talked about God as a shepherd, and now God, who is a shepherd, has literally become the king in Jesus. Does that make any sense? Yeah, or, it's, no, it, 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 it's, it's bringing all the pieces together. It's like a really great pun. But then it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, all this stuff that God is doing, it's not coming out of nowhere. He's been preparing his people for who Jesus is, 
for for centuries. This, what, isn't, this didn't come out of the blue. Oh my gosh, God is a shepherd from from creation. I mean, this the the the, the right. whole plan is 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 in place. It's simple. It's united. Like that's actually why I love doing this podcast. That's why I yeah. love and trying to invite people into the these profound preparations of like you look and you go like, oh my goodness, like like it really does matter that. She- this shepherding there's the, this detail does matter and then when it unfolds it, it's so exciting and that's it, it gives us hope that what we're doing is going to unfold ultimately right. as as we go forward and when when all is revealed the parousia is that it will all be content and, and filled with profound meeting that's why we say the lord is my shepherd like you, you know what like there's these these it's it's the poetry of all of creation of all of existence that it's it's written so fundamentally that's why like the vocation of the poet is so beautiful is they're trying to touch that place of 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 metimony of analogy of metaphor of of all of these 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 profound concepts which are, are written to, into our very being Absolutely, and and that the, that the Lord actually wants to utilize because there's such an experience of beauty with them. Absolutely, so we shouldn't be shocked when God Himself, who comes from the house of bread, actually is bread. Yes, because there's already been this built-in innate sense. I mean, every culture on Earth understands bread to represent life, so we shouldn't be that shocked when the bread of life actually becomes what it symbolizes. Yes. Anyway, but yeah, it, it is very beautiful. It's it's we have a very poetic faith. That's the bottom line. Dude, that's that's the only way to have it happen. Do you it know is. do you know do you know that the first time I was ever introduced to Psalm twenty three, or I mean I'm sure I was introduced before this, but um was a Bloom County cartoon where <laughs> <laughs> I loved Bloom County. Yeah, Bloom County with Opus and all this stuff. And there was this there was this like some opera singer or like no no, it was a it was a caricature of Pammy Faye. Singing, the oh. Lord is my shepherd. That oh, was that's terrible. Yeah, that's like I, I for some reason that is like so embedded in my mind. I mean, like, which is just absurd. I just kind of came back to that. I was like, I was like, the Lord is my shepherd. And then I, I remember I went and I was like singing absurdly to my father as if I was Tammy awesome. Faye, and my dad was like, where'd you learn that? And I was like, Bloom County. It was, <laughs> dude. This is that's awesome. This is how the universe. Talk this about deep, deep works. poetry uh, being embedded in this into it, life. Man. There we are. That's man. it. Speaking of deep poetry, being embedded, embedded Ephesians, Ephesians five. All right, brothers and sisters. Now this, I mean, this is our. Here's a perfect segue, brothers and sisters. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. So again, we're in the theme of of, of light and darkness. You but totally just skipped over the fact that that we're missing a preposition. No, I was about to say that. You just you just stole it from me. <laughs> what preposition are we missing, Father? In. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just trying to get at you, man. This is it. No, so it's true. You were once darkness, not you were once in darkness. In darkness, you were darkness, isn't? Yeah, I, I think it's profound. And then, then later on, live as children of the light. Da 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 da. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather expose them, the things in the secret. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For that everything is visible is light. So this whole dichotomy, you were darkness, not just the things that you do. You, you, you are, you are what you eat. You are what you, be, you know, you, you become in a certain sense, what you latch onto, what you, what you worship. 
this is why you know when we i don't know what i'm trying to say i tell you but, as a photographer i'm reading this and i'm looking and i'm going like yeah absolutely he's describing the photographic method like 1850 years before it, it actually was happening i mean my plaza minus 200 years but like that's the, everything exposed by the light becomes visible yes i always thought that was funny though when i was in college as i as i was a photography major i always thought the analogy of being a light chaser was like um it was just so apropos because and and then focus the fellowship of catholic university students came around and i was like i am a light chaser focus camera that's what i do i am meant for this this is how i live and so so <laughs> i awesome. you know but but to, to but to remember and to say yeah we were once a darkness i don't i think of batman like i just i just think of like it's 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 not just that, that like we did dark things but that rather mm -hmm. like we, we become like black holes and we draw yeah. people in to to something that is um and, and that's actually the, one of the things it's like as we look and as we repent as we get older and and look and you 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 can talk to older generations too and they'll they'll like they'll will regret the sins that they drew people into when they in their youth like yeah. when you kind of realize and understand the gravity of how it changes the course of life yeah totally it's incredible but but, but the, you become that you become that and that's actually where the lord's invitation and in, in his baptism and resurrection and, and like invitation into him it's it's like actually we become light we become meaningful and even those things are are just radically penetrated in the darkness it's it's like the cross becomes the resurrection it's like that's why the yeah. cross is the sign of the covenant because it's the profound moment of it's not the empty tomb that is the sign of the covenant which right that that it's like okay you know it, even though you are darkness you can can be light. Yes, that's it. That's incredible. Yeah. Ooh. Awake, Ooh. O sleeper, arise from Awake, the dead, and Christ will give you light. You become mm -hmm. light. Light, 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 light. So, speaking of light. Light. Get it? Do you have a light? John. John. Do you have a light? Oh, John 9. John 9. Speaking John of light. Nine. Speaking of light. Dude, you, so you're like transitioning is, like I normally transition. I'm. I know it's. It was. It was my little joke, because I was trying to transition like you. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. I learned it from watching you, father. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's a story. John gives us a story about a blind man. So Jesus saw. This is a great story. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. The disciples asked him, who, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So there's this kind of cultural understanding at this, at this point in Judaism. It's not a scriptural thing. This isn't biblical. The Bible actually speaks against this. But there's this understanding that if you're suffering from something, if you have some infirmity, if you're sick, if you're barren, if you're blind, it's because of something you did. What did you do? What did your parents do? Who caused this? And so there's this understanding that if this guy's blind... He obviously did something to deserve it. Or maybe his parents did because he was blind from birth. This is really where the story of um, Zechariah and Elizabeth in the Gospel of Luke is so profound. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth? They're this holy couple. They're the parents of John the Baptist eventually. But when we first meet them, they're barren. They're older and they've been barren. And Luke actually goes out of his way to point out in the first couple of verses that they were righteous, they were holy, they were blameless, they followed the law, there was nothing, they were impeccable. And he needs to point that out because they were also barren. The, 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 
the presumption was going to be, oh, well, if they're barren, what did they do? Uh-huh. Why did they, how did they do that? Got and it. he's pointing out, look, they're not. They didn't do anything. It's fighting this, this, um, this bad mindset. It kind of goes and back so, to, like Hannah, what we were talking about before. Exactly. That's exactly it. Oh, wow. That's an interesting connection, isn't it? Yeah, it is. She didn't sin. And so that's what Jesus says. No, he neither he nor his parents sin. That's not why this is happening. That's not why he's blind. He's blind, actually, so the works of God might be made visible through him. And, and that, that sort of reminds me of something with the second reading. Why does God allow us to be in darkness? Why does God allow us to be darkness? Why does he allow us to fall into these sins? Well, in part, so that, like he says here, so the work of God might be visible through us. He allows us to fall into these sins so that he can show the world through us what it means to make somebody into light. So he can show us how powerful he is and how beautiful and profound what he can do in people's lives is. Which I just just sort of hit me as we were reading. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. It's like we once were darkness, but then what does darkness illuminated look like? And like in some sense, that's that's where we can never underestimate the mystery of our own lives. I mean, we live mystery, and it's not predictable. It's not easy. It's not even. It's just not straightforward. And that's where right. you look at this guy's life, and you go like. Yeah, he was like he was a plant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. From from the Lord to because he want he needed to communicate to all time, all of history. Yep. What he is actually attempting to do. Absolutely, and we're still we're still seeing it. We're still feeling it. Still so, seeing it. Still seeing it. So um, da 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 da. Now we have to do the works of God while it's day. Night is coming. No one can work. I am in the world. I am the light of the world. There you go again. He says, I am. How is it that Ephesians, that Paul can say that we can become light? Because Jesus is the light. So we can only be light because John says he is the light. So it's only in our union with him. So as he's... <laughs> this. So here's Jesus. He's saying this poetic night is coming. No one can work. Well, I am the world. I am the light of the world. While <laughs> <laughs> he's saying this, he hocks a loogie and spits on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so he honks a loogie, he spits on the ground, uh, and he makes clay with this. And the disciples are like, "What are you? What's wrong with you?" And he makes clay and he smeared it in the guy's eyes. The poor guy just sitting there being smeared. And he said to him, "Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is right by the temple. It's in Jerusalem, which means sent." So he went and washed, and he came back able to see. And then we enter into this weird couple of series of uh, of basically little tr- mini trials that he goes on. So he came back, and they brought, I don't know who the they is, but he's brought to the Pharisees, and um, he was what? He probably made a big scene at the Pool of Siloam. I'm just going to be, Wouldn't I'm just going to be honest, like, I can see, I can see. I can see clearly <laughs> now, the rain is gone. I mean, imagine how he saw, I mean, just imagine that you've just been living by sonar your whole life. Yeah. And by touch, and then all of a sudden you can see vividly the color of water and rain and the, yeah. the pool and people and dust and uh, sound and air. And uh, you can't see sound. That's synesthesis. Um, that's a very right. different thing. But no, I mean, right. he just, I mean, and so he would have been like, I can see. And everybody would have been like, oh my gosh, I can see. He would, he well, would they have all know who he is because yeah. they've seen him sitting around, you know, but now, begging, but, doing whatever he's doing. But now he can see them. Now he can see them. And he knows who's ignored him. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it's this incredible moment. So he's brought to the Pharisees. They're flipping out. They're like, wait a second, it's the Sabbath. You're not allowed to have miracles done to you on the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, but that really is what they're saying. Yes. 
they're like, wait a second, it's the Sabbath, though. So, they, I, I mean, that really shows you into their heart. They're, they completely ignore the fact that Jesus has suspended the laws of nature. They're just concerned that he happened to suspend the laws of nature on a Saturday. And that ticks them off, which, I mean, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about them? Oh, man, it's just... That's incredible. Yeah, it's just like they're, they're, they're myopic in the truest sense. Right. They can only see what they're wanting to see rather than actually right. seeing a picture that's bigger. They're blind right. in, a, in like a really, in a real way to like th- what's actually before them. I mean, imagine you just being, it, it's, you're just so focused on trying to get somebody in trouble that you can't ever even see the good. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I keep being reminded a little bit of Pope Francis um, as we're saying this, who I, uh, Pope Francis has been difficult in my life because he says things in ways that I wish he wouldn't say them. And I wish he'd word things, some things differently. But at the same time, he's actually making people look at the church and consider the church who would have never, ever in a million years considered it before and actually having a conversation and be curious and so many of us are so concerned about why isn't he stressing these things and why isn't he talking about these things and we're ignoring we're not seeing the fact that all these people are actually looking at the pope for the first time and and considering the church and actually beginning to be engaged in conversation which which and it might not be the conversation that we wanted to have right now yeah but that's the conversation that we're having and that's what god happens to be doing obama is meeting with him right now actually is he really yeah as we speak Uh uh-oh well (laughs) let's see how that goes Maybe he'll baptize him. To be diptized. Diptized. No, he's already baptized. Anyway. He's opening he's opening people's eyes is what you're trying to get at in a new way. Yeah, and who are we to question how God is going to allow people's eyes to be opened? I don't know. I mean, the jury's out on, on you know, how much fruit will come and how many people will stay engaged in this conversation when they start to realize, well, I don't agree with this or that. But they're having it. They're having the conversation. It's... And, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, we're so, sometimes we get very blind ourselves. Anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot for me in this, in this passage is the bottom line. Well, it's what, what we're trying to, I mean, there's a, there's a tend to get at, but th- this is the thing is that are, do you want things to be neat and tidy or do you want <laughs> right. to be transformed in the heart? Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause I'll tell you, I mean, sometimes by a miraculous engagement, they are both neat and neat and tidy yep. and they totally affect the heart. Rarely. And uh, whereas it's normally way crazy messy, it's very difficult. It's difficult in my own life to bring bring about conversion. Like, like it, that's the thing is, it's like you. Have, I had a really huge initial reversion to the faith, and it was just like everything was black and white. It was super clear. But hmm. but uh, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's just not as easy to convert. And there's some initial graces, but and it's not as clean and clear. And so I, man, I gotta reach out and I gotta struggle. To hold on to the Lord and and right. to and to trust that that His work uh, has purpose and meaning and that the the, the blindness of my own life and the the, re, the the things that I struggle with um, that they are uh, according to the Lord's will like this blind man from birth, right? But it's still messy. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so he gets he's on basically on trial, and so he's on trial. They're going back and forth. He's like, I don't know what happened, man. I just met this guy. He put some mud in my eye, and that was that. And they're like, Well, what about? Were you blind from birth? So they go and get his parents, and they're like, What happened to your son? What's going on? Tell us the answer. And they're like, We don't know. They're probably freaked out because they're scared by the Pharisees. They're like, We don't want to say anything for or against this guy. Just just ask him yourself because we don't know. So they kind of move on from them. And so a second time they called the man who gave 
who uh, had been blind, they said, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner, this Jesus. And he said, yeah, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, which is an interesting line because it takes you back to the beginning of the story when it's just Jesus' disciples are like, hey, who sinned? Was it this guy or the other, you know, or his parents? Mm. And now the Pharisees are like, this guy's a sinner. He's like, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, which is actually how the apostles should have reacted to seeing this blind guy. We don't know the state of this guy's soul. All we know is that, Jesus, you can do something with this guy. He says, all I know is that I was blind and now I can see. And they said to him, well, what, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he said, I already told you guys. Yeah. You didn't listen. Do you want to hear it again? Do you guys want to be his disciples too? I, I, and they're wow, and they flip out. Well, this is one of those things where um, uh, the reason why it's coming during Lent is that it's talking about progressive conversion. So right. here's a guy who's touched by the Lord, doesn't grasp it, meets him, right. then and then starts to actually say, you want to be his disciples too? Because he's like, I'm a disciple. And then finally he ends up in, yeah. in, in worship entirely of God. And that's like, and so in right. some ways this is mirroring the, the experience and the, uh, the life that's touched by the grace of God. Absolutely. Because and here, cause who, okay. who sinned? Actually, we all, we know because we know theology, that his parents in Adam and Eve sinned. Well, good point. And yeah, that's good. That's true. Who sinned? Well, why is sin and death in the world? I mean, like in some ways, they're they're asking again a myopic question. No, like yeah. why is the world messed up? Or why why can yeah. this guy actually touch the world in a way that brings re- restores order? He's restoring yeah. order even on an individual granular level. Because all of our parents sinned. That's yeah how it started yeah good point because they are all in sin and that's actually where jesus is able to transform because he hasn't right Right. but here so here's the kicker here's the here's sort of the punchline to this whole thing the guys the guy understands his own blindness and the guy understands the blind man understands that he doesn't understand he's like you know what all i know is that this is how i was i met this guy and this is how it is now what the what the Pharisees keep seeing is that we see, we know, we understand. They keep repeating the fact that they see, that they understand. And in their repeating of the fact that they see, what they're showing is that they don't see at all. They're completely blind because they're doing what First Samuel asked us not to do, which is looking at the appearance. And so in their constant reminder that they can see, they're showing themselves to be blind. The blind man, in recognizing that he was blind, that he doesn't see, that he doesn't fully understand, he is actually coming to see. Mm. And by the end of the story, he finally does see. He gets it, and he wants to be a disciple. So the blind man is the only one who can actually see. The Pharisees, who claim to see, are actually accusing themselves of their own blindness because they want to remain in the darkness. The blind man actually is becoming light. Why is he becoming light? Because we're still reading the stinking story 2,000 years later, Hmm. and we're still being illuminated by him, not just by his story, but actually by this guy, because he's become light to us. That's my take. Dude, I I can't add nothing because you laid it out. That's exactly it. Man. It's cool. That was a... Yeah, I didn't see that last week when we talked about it. No, no, there was improvements upon... What we said last week. We're the best. We're okay. <laughs> oh shoot! No, we're the we're, we're blind. We're blind. <laughs> we do not see yet. Oh. Um, that well, that that's actually the beauty of this is that you can touch the mystery, and the depths of it are still uh, available to be plunged. We, I mean, we yeah. can talk about the same thing for two hours and still start to actually 
get deeper connections, greater understanding. I mean, like we're, right. we're water skiing here. And, right. and that's actually in, in some ways where, um, where we're trying to, this is a havarim. It's a, this is, a, this is a, a way to where we begin the engagement and then we go deeper and we have these right. conversations because it's exciting and it's filled with life and light and goodness. Right. And it takes with the darkness out of our hearts. Absolutely. Uh. Mm. Well, friends, that's what we got. Yep, um, we we really hope that uh, you have a very uh, holy. Is it? I can never remember if it's Gaudete or Laetare. Both of them are, are rose. Um, I think it's Laetare in Lent. Gaudete is you, you're right. Advent. You're right. So so we hope you have a happy Laetare um, Sunday and indeed that uh, the meeting with um, Pope Francis and Obama went well, mm. and we hope that you guys are totally awesome. And we hope you have lots of positives. And, lots of positives. And that you have a good vacation. Absolutely. And we hope that you um, are stay strong in your fasting and prayer and almsgiving. Yep. If you're struggling to fast, give alms. If you're struggling to pray, fast. If you're struggling to give alms, pray. I don't know. I'm just trying to do a trifecta. Try it. Give yeah. it. Give it. A just shot. give it a word. I like it. All right. Check us out. All right, on guys. Facebook. Send us an email. Oh, what? No. Email. Facebook. <laughs> do it up all of it we'll talk to you soon bye everybody bye word on the hill is a production of the aquinas institute for catholic thought here in beautiful boulder colorado www.thomascenter.org you can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org see you next week